Welcome to the Church Planning Conversations podcast. My name is Carson Daniel, and I'm the coordinator for the Center for Church Multiplication. And I am blessed to have with me today Monik Correa from Singapore. Uh, Monik is a pastor, a missiologist, and just all-around uh, missionary church planter um, that we're excited to welcome. And we're going to talk about a little bit later um, something very exciting um, that Monik is also our global hub representative um, for the Asbury Center for Church Multiplication. So, Monik, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's a joy to be here. Yes, yes. I am so blessed to have you here, Monik. And uh, and so this week you've uh, been in the D-Men cohort, correct? That's right. Yeah. That's yeah. right. So first first year starting on the doctor ministry. Uh, it's been fun. We have people from all over the world, mm. um, but as I was saying earlier, it fe- felt like you know the uh, fire hydrant of information coming <laughs> to us, all the expectations. But it was wonderful. It, was, it has been a wonderful experience. Always is yes. coming into Asbury. So mm-hmm. good, good. Well, uh, just to get us started, uh, let's we'll just have some kind of lighter questions sure. uh, to get us uh, just oriented before we dive into some of these questions about mission and church planning and the global yep. hubs. Um, so you were from Singapore. That's right. Um, and if, if you would just take a moment to share with our audience, to share with me, um, share to some of your experience growing up and, and even maybe different places you've lived. And then what is different about living in Singapore than, say, the United States or living in the West? Okay. And then, uh, you know, if you could also just maybe mention what are maybe some similarities uh, okay. to those. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a good question because... Singapore is one of those countries that, that people kind of hear about from time to time, but it's, it's a tiny little country. We actually call it the small red dot because it kind of is, it's on a map. It looks like this tiny place, and it is small. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for Americans, it's about three, three and a half times the size of Washington, D.C., so if you can imagine that. Uh, it's a city-state um, at the end of what is called Peninsula Malaysia. So it's in Southeast Asia. Um, most of the people in Singapore don't look like me. Um, So the majority people, about 74% of the population is Chinese, about 13% is Malay, so they're the indigenous people, and then about 9% Indian, you know, people who look like me, and then you get about 3% uh, from other places. Very international city. Um, So just to say, compared to the United States, for example, you know, the United States would be huge, you know, the planet Jupiter or something, and we'd be like this <laughs> tiny Mercury or something. We're tiny by comparison. Mm. Um, you're obviously Western. You're mm-hmm. in the West. Um, we are in Asia, but we are a very Westernized country because okay. we were a former British colony, mm-hmm. and Singapore has always been an international center, uh, mm. but more so after independence, the, the government uh, really has invited uh, people to come in and, and make Singapore a financial center, which it is in Asia, you know, a place for medicine, technology. It's, it's a hub, really, in its own right as a, as a mm. nation. Um, so uh, I grew up in Singapore. It's home. Uh, my dad was from Sri Lanka. My mother's side of the family came from southwest India, Kerala. Um, but I've had the, uh, the, the pleasure, as you were saying, you know, of also not only living in Singapore, but having the opportunity and the privilege to be in a number of different countries, uh, which I'll tell you about. Some of that has to do with the story of God in bringing us on mission. But I've lived in um, the UK, obviously lived here uh, at times, 
uh, and then in Thailand, where we spent most of the a significant portion of our, of our lives, and then in Singapore. So, mm, very yeah. nice. Yes, yes. Uh, thank you for sharing that. I think when I when I've thought of Singapore, maybe I see them in the news. I, technology is such a uh, component. You know yes. the. the uh, city design and and those kinds of things um, yes. that's very fascinating to, to, to learn about indeed <laughs> most definitely indeed it's a very planned out city if you come to Singapore you see centrally planned parks uh, everywhere high-rise buildings 80% hmm. of the population live in these government built uh, government supported flats you know so that we, okay. we, we live high-rise living so okay city, yeah. yeah yeah very interesting yeah, well, uh, along the same lines, kind of an, another more uh, light question to think about. I'm curious, what are maybe some hobbies that you enjoy? Yeah, well, I, I love to read um, just all sorts of books, but uh, theological books, particularly biographical stories. Um, my son is into music, so I, I, I've always loved music, and he's a musician himself. Um, with my wife, we love going on walks. We love traveling. We mm. love, you know, so that, that's a, a big part of our lives. If we can travel, we'd love to. In Singapore, we love going on, on walks uh, in the evenings uh, when it's not too hot. <laughs> um, yeah, watching football, uh, what do you call soccer here, mm. you know, where my son and I are big fans of a North London club called Arsenal. Oh. So we're great fans. Yeah, so, yeah, and movies. My mm. wife and I love mo watching movies together. So. Wonderful, wonderful. Yep. So a lot, yeah, a lot of uh, relatability there myself uh, mm -hmm. as well. I was, and I'm sure in Singapore, it sounds like yeah, football or soccer. May, is that maybe the primary sport? It, it is a primary sport. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Very interesting. Okay, well, um, now uh, if you would just share some of your background, and particularly your background with church planting, mm -hmm. um, working with networks, and and you know you've you've worked with you know, several organizations mm -hmm. that I think would really interest our audience as well. So if you just take some time to speak to that, that would be okay. great. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, sometimes it's hard to know where to start when you, you look back and you think, you know, where has God taken me and taken us in different places? Mm. Um, we've been involved with planting three different churches in three different nations. <laughs> wow. So the first was in England. Uh, this was in between the year 2000 and 2005. Mm. Um, I was part, and, and still am, part of a mission organization called NAMS, N-A-M-S, which stands for the New Anglican Missionary Society. Mm. It's based here in the States, um, but it's a global church planting uh, society. Mm. And I was sent to England to help a, a church planter and his wife uh, start a church in a town called Colchester, mm. uh, northeast out of London in the, in the you know, in Essex. And it was a wonderful few years. It was my first introduction to, you know, church planting in a different context. Um, I'd been a student at University in London, so I was a little bit familiar with being in England. Mm -hmm. um, but what we discovered when we went there to plant the church, help plant the church and part of that church planting team, was that at the edge of the town was a university full of international students, <laughs> the University Perfect. of Essex. So yeah. we ended up for five years starting a ministry uh, in, in, in cooperation with the church plant hmm. to reach students at the university. The most wonderful five years of my life. We saw many people come to faith from many nations. Hmm. My wife came to do her master's there, I met, and that's where we met and then got married. So that was, so that was England to start with. 
um, we returned back to Singapore after we got married, my wife and I, and thinking, you know, God was calling us back to Asia and made that clear mm -hmm. to us. Um, but while I was back in Singapore, I, I did a course of study at uh, Singapore Bible College, one of our local colleges there, and uh, that's when we heard about one of the lecturers was, was starting to plant a church, an international church. He was American and had been a long-time lecturer at the, at the college. And so we just got roped in to help and be a part of the team and, 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 and then I became like an intern to him to help him you know, and, and the, the leadership team get started. So that's the second church. Yes. Yeah, well. um, and incidentally, today I'm an associate pastor of that church in wow. Singapore. So all wow. those years you know, we've kept a relationship in an international evangelical church. And then for the last time, uh, the last 13 years, from 2008 to 2021, we've spent in Thailand, namely mm. in Bangkok, Thailand, the capital. Mm. Um, and for 12 of those, we, we were planting a church. Um, mm. And so the, the church is called All Nations. I was the lead planter in a team. And so that were really, I guess, that was the most formative experience because when, you, when it's you leading a team and, and it was the vision that God gave, um, you know, that's when we begin to really apply the principles. So the mission I said that we were part of, called NAMS, mm -hmm. was really what uh, you know was we were working with when we did the church plant in Bangkok, and in in NAMS we had we we learned and we've been teaching uh, some of those principles that are basic to what we believe to be biblical church planting, mm. namely that if you want to plant a church you must do what Jesus said to do, that is make disciples, mm, or make yes. disciples. So we, we focus really on making disciples who make disciples. We raise leaders who themselves make other disciples, and then we plant churches that, that make disciples. So you know, the common ground, if you like, is the making of disciples. And you know, I was looking back and thinking, um, just before we started planting that church, we'd been in Thailand for three years. I went initially as missionaries of, of uh, my local parish as an Anglican church. So we were under the Diocese of Singapore and we were serving in, in a big international church in Bangkok called Christ Church, Anglican Church. Um, and, and then we, were f we, we sensed the time was right to, to, to begin to plant with NAMS, our mission. And I remember just before, a few months before that, we were just praying and thinking about what we're going to do, how we're going to do this. And the Lord gave me a dream one day and in the dream, uh, I was in some sort of meeting. It was an, a NAMS meeting because I recognized uh, John Schuller, who was the leader of our, our mission. He was there and we were talking. And I found myself sitting with a group of people with Asian faces. Mm. And I was telling them that uh, we were being called to help plant a church in Bangkok. Mm. Yeah. And I remember in the dream telling them that discipleship was more caught than taught. Mm. You know, we're going to do it together, and as we're doing it, we're going to be disciples who then make other disciples. Mm. And then I said, we, we will only do by teaching, and we'll only teach by doing. Mm. And then I woke up. Wow. And I thought, <laughs> what a strange phrase. We, we will teach by doing, we'll do by teaching. And I said, Lord, what does that, that mean? You know, but I've come to understand that you can only teach by, by living it out. So you teach by doing, by modeling, mm. right? But you must also, in your doing, be training and raising up and bringing others along on the journey. So as you do, you teach. You teach by, by doing. So that, that whole thing has become something that we've tried to live out 
in the, in the years that we planted all nations in Bangkok. It turned out to be a, quite a small church, quite a, a, a hard slog in the, in the mm. initial years, particularly we were working with refugees uh, from Sri Lanka and Pakistan who were in Bangkok uh, and trying to get you know, refuge to third countries. They were not, it was difficult for them in Bangkok because mm. uh, they were usually illegal. The police were looking for them. We were trying to start groups among them. We had a few international peoples. Our desire was, you know, was to reach the Thais, and initially we weren't doing as much of that, but in the let, latter years, the Lord brought us to uh, a student center, a hostel, uh, a Christian hostel, and we were invited to, to, to live there and work there and reach uh, students. So that's where All Nations is today, uh, and God sent us a leader to take over from me, who was from England, and uh, he married a Thai wife, they have a family and they've continued the work in many ways they are really growing the vision in new ways in bigger ways than i could have ever done mm. but my wife and i look back on those you know those years of planting all nations church with with great fondness we we, we learned so much from doing it so yeah that was it wow wow that's wonderful i mean just hearing the different places that you were able to go and you know pick up pieces on the journey yes. you know it's i'm almost like kind of phase one, phase two, and there's a deepening, and then, you know, even sounds like you, uh, even with the difficulties, that yes. you all were able to stay faithful in that. And, and what a gift to have a dream to help you to clarify and even know maybe what are some of those things you were going to be doing. Indeed. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Well, you've already spoken to it a little bit, but um, I'm curious, um, what would you say are components of church planning or you know, disciple making that you would see, uh, you know, you've you've been to now planted churches like you said in three different countries. Yeah. Um, what would you see are transcendent uh, values or principles for church planting and disciple making? And then, on the flip side, what would be maybe a few things that you see as those are really need to be contextualized for right. each different place? Okay, that's yeah. a great question. You know, because I think. <laughs> Uh, when you talk with, with church planters uh, in different places, you will often see that there are some basic ingredients. Mm. Um, if, if those church planters are biblically formed, I think if we go back to the scriptures and we see not only the way Jesus made disciples mm -hmm. by gathering the twelve around him, who journeyed with him, lived with him, watched him, you know, they were part of his his gang, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And then you see the apostolic pattern and they repeated that, you know, Paul and Barnabas, when they first set off, they built a team and that team went with them everywhere. Mm. So some of the principles we see in scriptures already, um, for example, and I said this already, that there is a, a focus, a, a fundamental emphasis on the need to make disciples. You know, you could plant a church by, by you know, finding a nice building, uh, running some neat programs in it, uh, having a good worship band and a good speaker, mm. and you would draw people in. Mm. Um, maybe transfer growth, some people looking for a better church, they come down, you know, they like the people, they like the program, and you could, you could plant a church that way. Mm. Um, but you might not necessarily be making disciples. Mm. You might be just filling it up with church people. <laughs> so we have always believed that if we go back to, to the apostolic pattern, when they went to a new place, mm. they proclaimed the good news and they demonstrated it often with signs and wonders. And those whom the Lord touched, who responded mm. to them, 
uh, they begin to then disciple. They, they gathered them, they made disciples of them. And we perceive, though it's not often clear in Acts, but there, there's certainly a multiplication principle always happening. Mm. Uh, in that the disciples that were made didn't just stay in a, a static group and, and were happy ever after. They had then the vision and the mission to reach others. Mm. Uh, and so in time you would see multiplication in the book of Acts, you know, repeatedly tells us that the disciples were being multiplied mm. um, by the hand of yes. God. But it involved us beginning to intentionally make other disciples. So we say if you make disciples who make disciples, you mm. will almost always be able to plant a church. Mm. So that's a principle there. In order to uh, plant a church, begin by making disciples and get them to make other disciples. Mm. You know, so that's part of the, uh, I, I think a common principle that you find the world over. Yeah. You see that in movements, disciple making movements and church planning movements. You know, disciples, ordinary believers, disciples learn how to make other disciples almost as soon as they come to faith. Mm. Um, they don't wait, you know, they don't even have to wait till they come to Asbury Theological Seminary. They can start <laughs> where they are. Uh, so I think that's the principle. The other one is, and something I learned very much in our time in Bangkok, um, but also in the other places, was the, the primary importance of prayer. Mm. You know, because mm. yes. the, the problem sometimes with us church planters is we are act activists, we are doers, mm. we are the ones with the oomph, you know, we <laughs> want to go somewhere and make something happen. Um, often extroverted, I'm, I'm the, the, the rarity that I'm more introverted, but most church planters are extroverts, mm. they want to go and make something happen. Um, but if we just do that, we end up doing it on our own strength, building it by our own plans and visions. Mm. And that creates issues and problems, you know. So prayer teaches mm. us dependence on God. Mm. Prayer teaches us that we need from start and all the way through the work, uh, that we will always be reliant on God. So one mm. of the things that I, I had to learn um, was it's not about how much I did, but it's how much I was really seeking the Lord, mm. leaning on Him. And as I did that, uh, you know, God began to, to speak and help, give the power to do the work. So one of the things we, we did as a, as a mission, it was part of our rule of life in, in NAMS, that we would take retreats, regular retreats, whether it's personal or with the community, the leaders. So we would go away every three months for a day or two. And often in those times of seeking the Lord, He would speak. Mm. So I would really ha highly recommend that. But make prayer central uh, mm. to the work of church planting and you will not go wrong. You know, you, you learn to, to rely. One of my great heroes, Leonard Ravenhill, the great uh, revivalist preacher, used to say, no man is greater than his prayer life. No woman Ooh. is greater than her prayer life. In other words, as, as we pray, we develop that reliance on God. You know? so, so that's another principle, prayer. Um, I, I think you know, building a team, you know, sometimes church planters can be very individualistic, especially in our vision. Mm -hmm. But you see in the apostolic pattern, there was always room for others. You know, Paul mm -hmm. was always bringing others along with him on a journey. Um, we were apprenticing new leaders. And so mm. part of the principle that we learned in, in England and in Singapore and in Bangkok was always seek to raise other leaders with you. Mm. You know, when God wants to do something in the world, He looks for a man or a woman, right? Mm. Think of Ian Bounds, the great 
American civil rights chaplain who, who said uh, that we look for better methods. Mm. God looks for better men. Mm. Man is God's method. When mm. God wants to do something, he's looking for a man or a woman to do it. So we need to be part of that. And a Lord, who are you sending to us? Um, one of the things, you've got to stop me here, I'll, I'll keep going on, but one of the things that we teach in, in the training that we do often with church planters and pastors and leaders, um, we ask the question, if God is calling you to go to an unreached part of the world, and you know you're being called to that place, that there's no church, there's no gospel, you've got to go and share the gospel, make disciples, plant a church. And the Lord said to you that I can give you one thing that you need to do that. We asked the question, what would you ask for, <laughs> right? Yeah. Would you ask for a million dollars? Well, that <laughs> would be really helpful. Or uh, would you ask for a building? Yeah, you know, a building would be great, a base to, to do the work. Or would you ask for some experts, you know, to advise you? What, what would you do? Uh, and so when people are given the answers, we take them back to Luke 10, when Jesus is about to send the 72 out on mission. Hmm. And he appoints them two by two. So that's the team that's been go going out. Um, and then he tells them, the first thing he tells them, look and see the fields are white to harvest. Hmm. Beseech, which is really in the Greek, beg the Lord of the harvest. This is urgent hmm. for laborers to be thrust out into the harvest field, into his harvest field. God hmm. wants the harvest drawn in. Pray with all earnestness for that. So we hmm. say the thing you should ask God for, for help. For laborers mm. to, to have a team come with you or to build a team often when when he then sends them out they go out they look for the man of peace that to stay with him and a person of peace and evangelize his oikos his network mm. right and so you will find actually the answer to that prayer comes as you go out on missions that from there you find your laborers mm. you know paul find, finds a timothy out in the field you know, so, wow, yeah. so there's a team building side of it as well. So, you know, um, make disciple making the, the, the core of what we're doing. Um, develop the habit of, of deep, deep prayer and reliance on God, seeking after Him. Um, and then build, build a team in order to do that. Mm. Um, of course, you know, let the scriptures shape and form the, the vision. Um, let the vision come from God, um, and the vision often will arise as you go into the community. You know, I think I learned from Ed Stites, uh, I think, who said that, you know, often people plant with, uh, with a vision in their mind what, what they're going to plant, but he said, don't do that. If you go to the community, you're being sent, and as you prayer walk, as you begin to do the initial evangelism, as you begin to build the relationships and discover what is the community like, let the church arise out of that community. Let the, the work that God wants to plant and make to grow in that place arise from the community. So don't go with a preconceived idea, but let God show you as you go. Mm. So, so I, suppose, I suppose those are some of the, the, the universal principles, I think. Um, but when you talk about contextualizing, of course, you have to contextualize because every place is different. Mm. Um, so for example, in Thailand, um, we were in a mega city, uh, a really a, a sprawling metropolis of a city, so many people, um, and, and it, it was hard to reach the Thais generally because there is a great distance uh, in terms of their worldview, you know, Buddhistic worldview mm. uh, from, from us coming from a Christian point of view, and you have to bridge that gap and it takes a long time 
to be, to be able to befriend them, uh, let them bring down the wall so that you can share the gospel, but in a way that would make sense into mm. their worldview. Um, so we have to give attention, pay attention to the culture around, you know, and that shapes the way that we proclaim the good news. Mm. It shapes how we gather people and what we do when we gather. Mm. It shapes uh, the kind of leaders we raise. You know, we need to raise leaders, not necessarily schooling them in ways that work in some other place, but helping them by the help of the Holy Spirit and with the Word of God to guide us in some of those transcultural principles to see what, what will work in this setting. Mm. What are some of the yes. things? So in Thailand, we begin to discover in the later years that the Thais are communal people. They love to eat. You know, you never see somebody eating on his own. He's always with some other people. Um, so that was one of the principles we begin to use in terms of developing relationships. You know, eat with someone. We call it the Jesus diet. Uh, <laughs> came my, my colleague came up with it, uh, Isaac, in, in Bangkok, because he said the Jesus diet is the best diet in the world. <laughs> you can eat anything you want at any time <laughs> but make sure you eat with someone who doesn't know jesus spend mm. time with sinners as jesus did right eat mm. with them yes. build their relationships and that's part of the the beginnings of beginning to reach uh the thai mm. so contextualizing it uh is, is really important in how we we express mm. um the the particular thing god is calling us to do and how the gospel comes to inculturate itself in a group of people uh, so it'll, it'll look quite different in different places. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much for that, Monica. It's, it, well, and it, I should mention for our listeners as well um, that in some ways I feel like I'm looking ahead, at, you know, because I'm I'm actually doing my master's in intercultural studies right now, right. Um, and and you've you've already done that here at ATS, and of course having this experience in church planting, and so it's great to hear even what you've learned, even post being here at Asbury and then continuing obviously sure. in the DMAT. I'll send you the bill later, Carson. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is actually just a class I get to learn, yeah. But I, I really, the uh, the emphasis on prayer is just such a critical component and I think you're right, is, is often church planners, even if they don't mean to, it's easy to get kind of a somewhat ahead of the Lord. You know, that's one, yes. one of my favorite scriptures um, is, uh, you know, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Yes. You know, as Paul, you know, we see that as he lists the uh, fruit of the Holy Spirit, but then he says, let, it, let us keep in step with the Spirit, which I think is such a critical component for us in that. Yes. Um, and then connecting that to the contextualization piece, and I, I love the, the Jesus diet. That's, that's something uh, I'm going to have to remember because that's, that is one of the great blessings is getting to come alongside people of, uh, you know, a variety of different backgrounds. Yes. Um, so that is wonderful. And I, I hear in Thailand, I'm actually um, curious to your thoughts as well, um, there's a lot of street food, is that right? On, That's on, right. Uh, what kinds of food do they have that are, is available there? Oh, Thai food <laughs> is, is just a, a rich variety. They love, they, they, they have, their palate is very interesting. They love the sweet, and the spicy at the same time. So oh, wonderful. A lot of their yeah. dishes have that mix. Yeah. You know, obviously, noodles and rice are big. They have their own version of, of curries, you know. Uh, so someone like me from, in, from an Indian background, kind of the, the spices and all, but they use some, something quite different, more local styles of okay. doing it. They have barbecues on the street. There's something called sticky rice in the northeast of Thailand, the Isan people particularly. Um, it's delicious. I mm. mean... Yeah. They, they do these fresh uh, papayas, they're, they're unripe papayas, and they 
they slice them up and they pound them together with peanuts and different things and it makes this wonderful salad and you eat it with grilled chicken and the sticky rice and it's just a fabulous <laughs> meal. So, you know, Thai food is just amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Oh, yes, yes. It sounds like it. That sounds wonderful. Yes. Um, so, well, as we continue on, um, you know, I'm curious about this, this question even being tailored for the Western context as well. Mm -hmm. um, is why do you think it is that churches struggle to develop a culture of making disciples that make disciples? Um, because it seems like it's a universal problem, but I, I know obviously in the West people are, you know, maybe starting to feel those growing pains more. But could you speak to that? Why are some churches struggling with that? Sure. Yeah. I, I think, uh, I don't think it's just a Western problem hmm. um, because it does happen even in my own country. Um, I think sometimes the, the issue is um, that people get comfortable in their churches. Um, maybe some of the world seeps into the church, maybe it floods into the church in the sense in some places, uh, and that we get affected by the, the way of the world, you know, um, the three enemies of, of the disciple, the Christian, the sin, the world, and the devil, mm -hmm. always working against the purposes of God. And so one of the manifestations in our age, which is increasingly narcissistic, you know, we love taking selfies. We're, we're looking at ourselves all the time. You know, mm. a century ago, nobody you know knew their image, but today we're, we're taking pictures all the time. We're looking at ourselves. It's all about us. Our apps are for ourselves. Um, so, so even in the church, um, often the thinking is, um, it's about me. Mm. It's about my comfort. It's about me. Um, you know, having my needs met. Now, that's not necessarily wrong. But if it's only that, <laughs> then it becomes inward looking. You, 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 know, you almost want to put the shutters up to the windows and build the walls and say, you know, this church is just for me. Mm. You know, we're in a Wesleyan institution. John Wesley famously said, you know, the world is my parish. Mm. Um, but in many senses, we reverse that and we say the parish is my world. You know, oh. It becomes all about us. <laughs> so, and that's one of the big challenges. We compromise. We, we, we do everything we can to avoid suffering. Mm. Um, we want God to, to advise us for our own comfort mm. rather than us obeying him for his glory. Uh, and so that, the challenge comes, and I think it comes down to me, uh, to, to basic discipleship hmm. because discipleship uh, calls us Jesus calls us as disciples if anyone would come after me hmm. let him deny himself take up his cross and follow me hmm. there is a cost and a call to it you cannot avoid it yes. if you're going to be a disciple but many of us think oh that's just for the, the super Christian you know I'm just a little old me uh, and so it's all about my my comfort I remember learning years ago uh, from, from a preacher one time, he said this, he said, every Christian leader in the church has two main roles. He said, the first is to keep the world from getting into the church. Hmm. And he said, the second role of, of a Christian leader is to keep the church in the world <laughs> on mission. Stop the world getting into the church, but get the, world, get the church outside into the world. Hmm. And I thought that's so true. You know, when we understand the scriptures as a missionary story, a missionary text hmm. where God is on the move uh, in the world seeking to find 
lost people, seeking to bring back to the dead those who are dead in their sins, to have a people for himself. We see that phrase throughout the scriptures, God wants to be our God mm. and to us to be his people. Mm -hmm. He's longing for that. He's on the search, you know, the very first question in Genesis. It's a missionary question where God comes to the garden looking for Adam and Eve who are hiding from sin and God says, where are you? Mm. You know, and he's on the search for lost people. And so if we, if we follow that, um, that should influence the way we, we do church, the way that we live as God's people in community, that is not yes. just about us. Mm. It's not just about uh, meeting our needs, but ultimately it's about God's desire and God's heart and God's glory to spread to all the earth. You know, Habakkuk 2.14, uh, God, God's promise that His glory will fill the whole earth as the waters cover the sea. This is that great uh, eschatological promise that one day the glory of God will cover the whole earth. But we have the, the call and the privilege now to be part of that, that mission with Him into the world. He wants us to be involved in our prayers, our Lord, let your kingdom come, let your will be done. And therefore we go, therefore we go out in order to bring that good news, the king has come. Will you bow your knee to him? Will you respond to him? So the church has got to open its doors, open its eyes, break open the windows and get <laughs> out and see the world, look for the world, look for the lost. Mm. It has to turn outward. Mm. Um, and I think this is Jesus' intention always when the Holy Spirit comes, he empowers us to be witnesses from where we are in our Jerusalem to our Judea, to our Samaria and to the ends of the earth. All of it uh, from, from here to there and everywhere. Mm. And so the Amen. call is that we may not be content mm. uh, simply to be about ourselves, but that we would catch his heart for the loss and we would go on mission with him into the world. Mm. Amen. Amen. That reminds me of two, two things. I was reading uh, the book No Man is an Island by Thomas Merton, who's a mm -hmm. famous monk from yes. here in Kentucky, um, but he has a line in one of his chapters that says, if you only ever think of yourself or situations and events in relation to yourself, you are surely on the pathway to hell. Yes. And I remember I read that line and it just, powerful line of just, you know, if you're only ever thinking about how it all relates back to you as yep. opposed to the Lord and His, you know, and I, I think of that fresh as a, a parent, you know, I've got a th three month old right now yes. at home is that, you know, you're constantly as a parent being asked to uh, reckon with this, you know, tension of I'm tired, you know, as a dad, you know, you're, you're, you may be sore from not sleeping very much the night before or you're, you know, the house is messy and then you still give of yourself for your children and yes. for, you know, and so it's really, it's amazing how the Lord, I think, gives us these examples in our life that are really of, in relation to the bigger story. Yes. Um, and teaching the church how, how we do that. Yeah. Um, but it is so easy. We're all in danger of being comfortable. Absolutely. And that's yeah. why I think, you know, sometimes God comes to, to, to stir us, to, ch to, to disturb mm. us from mm. our comfort. Yeah. You know, I was going to tell a story that was really part of my story of, of the call into missions. Um, and it, it involves a, a Buddhist monk. And it <laughs> starts when, in, before I met uh, John Chulin, the leader of NAMS, when he recruited me to join NAMS and start that journey on to, to being a church planter and, and, and working in global missions. I was in Singapore, my first job, I was working for a, a Christian magazine. I was an editor. 
and uh, it was it was a cozy job. I got to meet all sorts of people coming through, great mm -hmm. Christian leaders, and interview them. and And I remember uh, it was sometime in 1998, and uh, we were busy one Tuesday morning or something. You know, there were deadlines to meet. Uh, the issue was coming up, and we were all busy at, at work. I was trying to finish up, and, and there came this knock on the on the front door of the office. So I went to to answer the door, and I opened the door. And there was this Buddhist monk dressed in, in, in a saffron robe. Oh, yes. But he wasn't local. He had closely cropped blonde hair and green eyes, and he was a foreigner. But he said, oh, uh, he said, we, we, we are uh, collecting funds for a new Buddhist temple we're trying to build down the street. And I was really quite annoyed, to be honest, because uh, there was a press of deadlines and we were busy. And I said to him, I said to him, oh, this is a Christian office. And he looked at me and he said, Oh, I believe in Jesus too. <laughs> and to be honest, I was, I was getting more and more agitated. And finally I said, sorry, we're, we're really not interested. I said, you know, mm -hmm. here's the door, please leave. And as he left, he turned to me and he said, that doesn't sound very much to me like Jesus. Mm. And he left. And it just plunged my heart. Ooh, I went wow. and I sat down at my table and I thought, what have I done? Mm. I mean, I, I was supposedly doing, um, you know, the work of the Lord in Christian, writing all these things and busy, but I don't have time for people. I had, I had no time for this guy who, you know, he was right. If Jesus would have engaged with him, mm. Jesus would have looked into his soul, you know. So God broke my heart that day and mm. really began to convict me of my own sense of it's all about me. Mm. Mm. What about him? What about the loss? And it was not a matter of months later that I met John Schuller and, and you know, the opportunity to join NAMS came along. And, and that was the Lord. He was beginning to stir me and challenge me and push me out of my comfort zone. Mm. You know, and, and so in many senses, I think sometimes us in the church, we need that. <laughs> so may God grant you know, uh, us pastors and preachers who are not content to just tell us you know, the, the good news, but who are going to challenge us also mm. about what we need to do in obedience to, uh, to our Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, yes, absolutely. Amen. So you have just uh, been named as the Global Hub representative for the Asbury Center for Church Multiplication for Southeast Asia. And I was going to basically give you an opportunity to share. Um, so you're planning uh, with us an event uh, this coming January. Yes. Um, and so if you would just take a minute and just share um, what that event is about. And, and I'm, I'm also going to share a little bit about just what Global Hubs are in general. Sure. Um, but if you just want to share kind of what, how that event is unfolding, um, and then what, what do you are excited about that that will offer church leaders in Southeast Asia? Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, this is a, a quite a new thing <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that I've been asked. Um, I think the, essentially what we hope to do in Southeast Asia, and I've been working with some of our Asbury alumni uh, in this, is the idea um, of working with the, the, the Center for Church Multiplication in order to, to put on an event in Singapore. We're hoping to do a short uh, two-day conference. Mm. Um, and what we're hoping to do is gather some case studies of church planting and church multiplication in Southeast Asia uh, and have them have people come and tell stories mm. uh, and gather a, a group of people. We're, we're imagining not a big crowd, maybe 50 to 80 people. Uh, there'll be students, 
Um, in matter of fact, we're, we're, we're discussing with Asbury a, a, a class of uh, one of our urban church planning classes coming as well. Um, we will have uh, practitioners and we will have scholars uh, and just Christians in, in Singapore churches maybe coming alongside to listen and to interact. Mm. So what our hope is to, to begin to learn together, to create some kind of learning community of practice, you know, to learn how, uh, what can we learn from what God is doing through uh, these men and women in their church planting uh, initiatives mm. in different parts of Southeast Asia. Uh, so the idea is that this will be the, f the, the first event uh, of, of what we hope will be something regular. But as I'm thinking about it, you know, we, we really want to be creating, uh, uh, when we think of this idea of a hub, um, we're imagining a, a nexus or a node of relationships mm. um, where you know, we, we can encourage people um, who come together. And I think three, I, I, I was thinking about it, three C's, if you like. Okay, so we would we would uh, we would have church planting, obviously catalyzing mm. uh, church planting. We would offer coaching uh, for people who, who need that, and, we'll, and through the relationships, we'll seek to build that, and we'll build a community mm. uh, of a network of people uh, in Singapore and in, in the Southeast Asian nations, whether they're alumni or whether they're just friends or people that come to connect with us, or, uh, or we're hoping as as we are for this January event to work in partnership with Singapore Bible College and the Singapore Center for Global Missions. Uh, so we will be pulling other people in from local churches and mission organizations. And we want to see what, what would emerge as we gather together. So hopefully mm -hmm. there will be community. Uh, hopefully in future we could build coaching uh, and resourcing, mm -hmm. uh, particularly from Asbury and from this center, uh, but also involving our people on the ground and the relationships that are established. Uh, and then we want to see uh, catalyzing of new church planting, church multiplication happening in Southeast Asia as a result of, of this global hub, this, this nexus of relationships coming mm -hmm. to be. So that's, that's kind of what we're thinking. Yeah. Yes, yes, no, that's wonderful. And it's, uh, it's wonderful to see even just this coming together. Like you said, it's brand new just for this year. Yeah. Um, and bringing this together. And I like even the term you use, learning community. I yes. think, you know, bringing people together for that relationship, for that deep learning community, and, and, and to really uh, gather around the, and what the kingdom work God is doing. Yes. Um, and then this, of course, you know, part of the Global Hub's vision for the Center for Church Multiplication, um, that there are multiple global hubs, you know, developing around the world. Um, and so this is an exciting thing because um, you're, you all will be one of the first uh, gatherings um, that's going to be one of our main global hubs. And so we're really, you know, excited about that yeah. uh, opportunity. I, I should say, I should say the dates are, what we're thinking of is January 12th and 13th. So it's a Friday and a Saturday next year, 2024. And we're, we're probably going to have it at Singapore Bible College. So if you're watching in Asia, uh, Southeast Asia, and you're, you're interested, you want to know more, uh, you can get my contact through the, the church Center of Church Multiplication, and we'd love to have you there. Yes. Yeah, so and any, any updates we do have, we'll put in the uh, Connection newsletter uh, as we know them. So yes. um, that's perfect. So, well, as we're getting near the end of the podcast, I wanted to kind of hone in even um, to ask, um, you know, what is your hope for Southeast Asia in um, just the ministry you get to do there and getting to live there? What is even, 
you know, that can be as broad as you'd like it to be or, you know, as uh, narrow, but um, what is kind of your hope? And then maybe if there's some stories you're hearing um, in that region of how God is moving, um, I would love to hear some of those. Sure. Well, you know, like, like in many places in the world, God is on the move. God, mm. you know, in, in these days we live in, the world is more connected than ever before. You know, we, we hear news all the time of what's going on in different places instantly. Mm. Um, Southeast Asia is a very diverse part of the world. It's, it's a small, it's not a big region in the world, and yet it has a very diverse uh, mix of nations, cultures, languages. Um, you have parts of it that are majority Muslim, Malaysia, mm. Indonesia. You have parts of it that are majority Buddhist, mm. um, Thailand, uh, Cambodia, Laos, and to some extent Vietnam. Uh, you have places that are predominantly Christian. You think of the Philippines, 90% you know, of the population is, is Christian, East Timor as well. Mm. Um, so in the midst of all that diversity, uh, we have places where the church is growing. Uh, Singapore, my own country, for example, in the last 20 to 30 years has seen a tremendous growth of the church, mm. such that today about 19% of the population of, of Singapore is Christian. Wow. So wow. the church tends to be quite strong and, uh, uh, you know, and so there is a desire also from our churches to, to be on mission into mm. Southeast Asia. Uh, this is less so in some of the other nations in Southeast Asia, but we're seeing we're seeing uh, missionary movements from places like the Philippines, Indonesia, uh, Singapore, where, where churches are sending missionaries to other places, Malaysia. And we believe that this is a new day mm. for the church in Southeast Asia. Um, one of the things that I'm going to be starting when I go back from this time is a new role in what is called the Singapore Center for Global Missions. It's a coordinating body for churches in Singapore to be on missions, mm. uh, working with uh, mission organizations and, and missionary networks, some of the larger global networks like Lazon and uh, the World Evangelical Alliance. But so this role will enable me to, to really be at close quarters with pastors and leaders in Singapore. And so I hope to learn more what, what <laughs> God is doing. You know, I'm, it's, it's new to me as well. But I think my heart for Southeast Asia, like many of God's uh, faithful uh, men and women, is that we would see the gospel continue to grow and spread. Uh, mm. People, mo movements of disciple-making, uh, you know, movements and, and churches being started all over the place. We'd love to see much more of that. We're seeing mm. signs of that in some places, even uh, in, in Thailand where we work for. Uh, there are places where the gospel is starting to grow and multiply as never before. So we rejoice in that. We see that in Cambodia to some extent. Mm. Um, we know in Vietnam where there is uh, an underground church which is very vibrant. Uh, God is at work. Amen. So Amen. how can we join him? How <laughs> can we be used of him in this day and age? We're part of the, what is called the global south of the majority world, where today by far the, the majority of Christians live. Uh, our heart's desire is to see the number of Christians in our continent of Asia uh, continue to grow. Currently, only about 8% of uh, people in the continent of Asia, you know, from, from the Far East all the way to the mil Middle East, are Christian. Mm, wow. But yeah. there is room for great growth. Yeah, but there are yeah. places like China and India where the churches are growing, you know, despite persecution, despite suffering, God is at work. Mm. So we would love to see uh, 
places in Southeast Asia uh, where we, we start to see more, more and more of these movements. Mm. Now, these things are happening. Uh, there are places in Indonesia where uh, God is greatly reaching, uh, even hard to reach uh, people groups that are predominantly Muslim, for example, mm. through dreams and visions. Um, you know, I think officially the, the number of Christians in Indonesia is about 8 to 10 percent, but I've heard statistics that there's a lot more than that because mm. people are coming to faith, they're seeking out Christians and churches and saying, I had a dream, you know, this person appeared to me, and, uh, and I knew it was Jesus, I need to find out, you know, so mm. they, uh, things like that. So we're seeing uh, the move of God. Places like the Philippines, where you know many people from the Philippines, uh, the women go abroad. They work as uh, domestic helpers often, mm. uh, and God has used that to to be a, a major missionary force mm. in the world. Yeah, they're going uh, all. They're getting access into homes of unbelievers, you know, in the Middle East and in other parts of Asia, and they're living out their Christian faith. Mm. Um, and and so you're seeing even in Singapore, you see fellowships, churches of Filipinos. Uh, they come to meet together to encourage each other and to, to pray for their families that they're working with. So God is doing great things in our day. He's just flipping uh, over the, the old traditional model mm. that you know we, we, we need to send cross-cultural missionaries, which we still need to, who spend a career in a place. Um, today we have short-termers. We have people who go to work for their companies and they spend a few years in, in another city. Uh, of, of Southeast Asia, but God has sent them there. They mm. can be witnesses, they, they, they have a job, you know, they have the means to support themselves, and from there they can be used of Him to be missionaries in that place. So I believe we live in days of great opportunity. Yes, um, yes. On the other side, there's a great, great challenge for sure. There's increased persecution. Economically, the world is being shaken. Mm. Um, wars, famines, you know, ecological disasters, all sorts of things, you name it, we have it. But the <laughs> kingdom of God will not be stopped. Jesus is building mm. his church and we get to join him in it. Mm. Amen. Amen. Well, I think that, that sums it up to me. Um, yes, I think that's a great place for us to uh, come to a close here in just a minute. But Monica, I really appreciate you joining me on the podcast today and appreciate your, your wisdom and your experience uh, joining us. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. <laughs> yes. And so uh, for all of our uh, listeners and viewers, um, we would like to invite you to join the Asbury Center for Church Multiplication Connection. And so if, if you're looking for more updates uh, as things roll out from Singapore or other global hubs, then that'll be the place that you can learn about that. Um, but we thank you all for joining us on this podcast, and we'll talk to you very soon. Thank you.